Yeah, okay, we're on. So we are live. Great. Yeah, this is the second episode of Okay, We're On and uh, joined again by Justin, uh, which you can't see. Last week, I was pointing down there all the time and you can only see that on our end on Google Hangouts for some reason. Uh, but you you know, you know, guys just see whoever's talking at that point in time. Hello. So, hello. So what have, you, what have you been up to since we've um, last spoke? Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> you can't remember anything? It's two weeks worth of, um, because school's coming to a close. Oh. Um, so, having to deal with, like, two kind of tired children, hot children, because it's summer, so, you know, they're only five, so it's a lot to deal with for them. So, like, the past two weeks are just chaotic. And they've got two more weeks left, so. Are they easier to deal with in, in the summer? Are they just just tire out easily? No, no. they're worse to deal with. <laughs> because it, it gets, it stays lighter for longer. Ah, uh, yeah, and you've got unlimited energy yeah. until like yeah. three o'clock in the morning or something. <laughs> like, I don't know, opposite vampires or something like that. Oh, God. They just get charged up and then... Getting them to bed is impossible, and even though they're really tired, so yeah, it's just been dealing with a lot of that. Is it the summer holidays now? Not yet. Oh my no, word! What? How is it not the summer holidays? Only six weeks, so nineteenth of July. Hmm. But they're off now. No, they're at school. Oh. oh, so it's two weeks until they're off. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Have you got any plans with them or anything, or just gonna see how it goes? Mm, museums things it's like kind that. Of a play it as it lies kind of situation yeah. you just got to see what what the deal is I, I don't know i think i might go to london with them and maybe wales well wales would be nice for a few I, nights yeah. you know, it just depends on how they're feeling and because i i don't know what it is but i suppose because they don't have kids but i feel like Taking them to like a really busy city like London, which would be hell. But uh, that's why I was like, oh yeah, Wales would be easier because there's more space for them to run around. But you can run into the traffic <laughs> in London, and you'd be like, oh, stay here. So you wouldn't enjoy it. No, they're they're all. I mean, they're pretty good with roads. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, they know not to walk out in roads and stuff like that. So they're pretty good with it. I mean, there's some decent things to do in London that they'll kind of appreciate now. So, you know, art galleries that quite like, seeing the Buckingham Palace, you know, bridges, um, just general little things like that. Yeah. You're not a fan of like going to markets and things. What's the, what market town called? Um, the Camden. Camden. Yeah. They. Busy as hell. No. There's nothing there that they want to buy. You know, it's yeah. It's it's not like Asda where they just like, oh, I want that, I want they'll, that. They'll be just as happy going to Home Bargains. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Weirdly enough, um, before because we were supposed to kind of prep for this like half an hour earlier before we went live, but it ended up being like ten minutes because I had to call you and say, oh, my brother. Well, I've got to pop out. My brother messaged me saying, uh, I need to talk to you. Um, it's urgent, and I was like, what? It's like I'm ringing and we won't answer, and then he answered and said, "No, you, you've got to meet me." And I was like, "Oh my god!" So you know, when you get one of those calls, you think, 
it's a life or death thing or something really bad in the family come. And then they get to where we're meeting and he goes, I bought you a present. <laughs> bought me Super Mario Maker. What? And I was like, oh, what? Because I was saying to him a while ago that um, I can't justify buying a game at the moment. I haven't got that much income at the moment. And, then, um, and I was like, that is the one game I would get though because it's like, you know, it's infinite games. You get a game like that, you can play it forever because people are just making levels. And I think it wasn't. I think it's not just a case of him being legit, really generous, which he obviously is, but it's a case of him going, "Well, I've bought it, and no one's playing my levels." Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, "If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna get it for you, you got to play my levels." So I was like, "Oh, that's so good." So now, now you've got to get it. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Okay, I'll yeah. have to think. Yeah, I thought you were going to go on Amazon straight away and buy it. Um, but it's one of those things you can make levels for each other. I love that kind of thing. I remember years ago making levels in like... Little Big Planet. Little Big Planet. Or before that, Lemmings. There was a PlayStation 2 version of Lemmings where you can make your own Lemmings levels. Really? Yeah, it was so good. Oh, uh, it was God. really good. And we used to challenge each other for like, you know, whoever beats this level, I'll get you a Mars bar or something stupid like that. But uh, it was, oh, it was I just love things like that. And Mario Maker is just a dream for that. A bit like dreams, I suppose. But I don't know. That's just, I love the IP. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to just talk about that. It's like what I've been up to recently. Like last week, it was my birthday. I'm now 38. I'm, I'm nearly 40. I'm just two more years till I'm 40, which is crazy. My Have bothered. you achieved everything you wished you'd achieved? No, I feel like my life just started in a weird way, which feel, I feel better because of that. I feel like, yeah, I've got loads more to do. I'm like, if, if I said that when I was 92, I'd be a little bit more worried, you know? <laughs> I'd be like, mm, maybe don't get me a record player for me, but to get me something else. Um, but uh, yeah, it was good. I went to Blackpool for the day, of all places. And um, normally when I go to Blackpool, it's, I don't know, maybe because I'm getting less cynical as I get older. I used to be like, oh, I'm going to go to Blackpool, just full of Hindus and stag dudes and all that. It is. It still is. But it's like... It's nice, you know, when you go there and you just kind of like throw away your cynicism and you have a, you're up for a nice day. We went up to the tower, which was really nice. Um, odd because they kind of just funnel you all the way up to the tower and they go, okay, now time for the 3D cinema and you're like, or 4D cinema, 4D cinema. And you're like, what? Stand against this rail, okay. S screen comes on, walk around, everyone's wearing 3D glasses. We didn't get given any, <laughs> so we're like, what's going on? What's a blurry film? <laughs> yeah. Like and it was just an advert of a Blackpool, but with uh, a a Kylie Minogue song on on on. We'll talk about Kylie Minogue later. And it was you know it was good when we got the glasses. It was a good piece of kind of three D, but it was four D because they were kind of shooting water and things at you, you know that kind of thing. I was like, all right, yeah. And then they funnel you out of that. You take pictures along the way, so you know they're going to try and sell you photos at the end. But once you get to the top, they have a kind of a a glass uh, floor, you know, where you can see right down. Oh my god, I'm I'm really scared of heights, but I was like, I'm gonna challenge myself, and I was like, baby steps, like across the and like that. I was like, oh my god, and then this woman in a wheelchair just went right past him, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> it's like not scared at all, and I was just like, God. So we, me, me and Linz were both like, we just like baby steps across the thing. It was just, it was, a, it was a good moment. Have you been to the tower, Blackpool? I've not been to Blackpool since watching Radiohead. Oh yeah, yeah. In it's the gone, many years ago, uh, ballroom. Yeah, beneath the tower, isn't it? It's yeah, it's, it's part of it. Yeah, it's like yeah. midway. My God, that was an intimate gig. I never went to that, but that was an intimate gig. 
wasn't it? That was a long time ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, but the, the time was fun. We did that. We went to the beach. We didn't go to any arcades, weirdly enough, and I really wanted to. But, you know, nowadays you don't really get that many games. It's all 2P machines and stuff. We, we went to Landudno last year, um, last summer. And the best bit, the, take, the best bit was 2 What's the 2P machines and things? It's quite yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we didn't do that once. I, I kind of get a bit like sad when I do that, though, when I go into the arcades and it's just slot machines and 2P machines. And like, and there's always like a little retro game in the corner by the bins. <laughs> like, it's like, no, rem remember me? And I'm like, oh. Uh, so we did that. We went to the beach and we, had, we, we bought some chips and sat on the beach. It was such a cliche. You could have took a photo or something and be like, hey, salad. It did, you know? We were shocked. I thought that would be done, but no, they still have donkeys and um, people queuing up for them. So uh, uh, it, it is cruel, isn't it? It's it's got to be cruel. I thought. I, I don't know. I mean, is horse riding cruel? Oh, that's a whole. In some ways. Yeah, it's I a mean, whole yeah, thing. it is. It, it, well, you know, you're making something carry you around. Yeah. Um, do they still have trams? Trams? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't see any trams at all. You know what they did have, like, uh, because they do have the lights and things like that, which went on. I think they come out in October or something. But there's a Star Trek section, which was like, what, what, why? And <laughs> they got a Star Trek muse uh, museum, which was closed. But uh, I think you can go in there and see, like, I think it was last year was the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And for some reason, they had the Star Trek museum in Blackpool. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, some of the lights right next to it were like Picard, Archer, you know, all the captains. I was just like, this is nuts. So I got a few pictures of me just standing by the museum, oh, which was closed, which is <laughs> like just for, for no reason. But it, uh, then we went into the, uh, the the beach and I went and I took my shoes and socks off and went on a little, a little paddle, which was all right until I started seeing McDonald's bags go by. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, <laughs> better put my shoes and socks back on. But it was nice. The weather was lovely. And it was like, I had a really good birthday. I got an, um, I got a project record player from from my birthday of Flynn's, and it's really nice. It's the first uh, belt driven record player I've ever had. I've, I've I didn't even know the difference before I got one. Did you know the difference between two record players? No. So you've got like I know the belt and direct. direct drive. So the direct one is like mechanically uh, the mechanically attached to the uh, what the hell's called the platter. So it's right underneath. You press the button, it comes straight on. With a belt-driven one, it's got a separate kind of unit at the top where you put the belt around and, and that drives the platter. Now, people say because the the unit is separate to the platter, then you're going to get less interference with noise, so it's like better quality. And then you've got other people saying, well, it's better to have the mechanical one because the, the belt won't wear down because at, at some point the belt will wear down a bit and it's not going to be as accurate. So there's pros and cons to both sides of it. So it's kind of cool because I've got two types of those record players now, and I just, I just, I don't know how I've gone through all my life without having a belt-driven one, and I'm not sure if all belt-driven ones are kind of made the same. But it's a beautiful, beautiful record player which I'm going to destroy with stickers and things, which people because every time someone mentions one of these project record players, they, they talk about like how sleek it is. It's kind of almost they talk about as if they talk about an iPhone or something. But I'm just going to cover it with stickers because I've got to make my own. I hate it. I hate having something that looks like what everyone else has got. It's like I don't really see the point in it. I'm going to damage it with my own name and stickers and things. You know what I mean? Make it my own thing. I can't believe that people's ears are so sensitive that they can tell the difference between 
a record and Spotify, I'll be honest. Yeah. I mean, I'm not one of those audiophile people at all. I'm, I will not get in that argument because I don't think I'm qualified to know what I'm talking about. I mean, I could read up on it and I think, well, I like owning records because I like the romanticism of getting a record out and, you know, being engulfed by the artwork and putting it on. And, and I do like the idea that records or albums are kind of thought about in two sides. I like that. I like the, the kind of thought that's gone into it rather than on a CD or like on Spotify. Sometimes it comes out just like a playlist, you know, where I get more out of an album that way. But I'm never really one about audio quality because if it did, I think I just end up completely skinned because it's endless. You're never going to be completely happy with your setup if you if you go down that road. You know what I mean? Not at all. But I like Spotify and streaming services as well. I think they're all great. I mean, when I went for a run uh, this morning, I ran to you know Tom York's new album. What a segue there! Um, and it was a weird, weird album to run to. But you know, I couldn't run with a record player, and certainly couldn't run with you know a CD player back in the day. Although I did, I did have a CD player years ago, which had that kind of anti-disrupt mechanism yeah. thing. And it was all right, but I think it lasts like three seconds or something like that, and then you will get the shake. I can't remember what that was called. But yeah, uh, having an iPhone or you know a mobile phone with Spotify or Apple Music or whatever is just insanely good. Um, so what do you think about the new Tom, Tom York album then? Whoa, whoa. Whiplash. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. Um, I think... I, I've listened to it quite a number of times. What I can't do, I can't listen to a single track I've found. So I don't think it is a collection of songs, as a lot of albums are. And like really good albums are just kind of almost like a collection of songs, great, almost like to be greatest hits in some ways. You know, they're all standalone, stand together but they're all kind of similar, so they belong on an album, even though they might, and connection, tell a story. But... Oh, wait a minute. It's it's an album. It's just like one big song split up into nine sections. That's the way I kind of listen to it. So when I listen to it, I can only listen to the full album. I think I'm the same, you know. Every time I put it on, I never start it, like, midway. Or no. play a track. I always start on the first track and play it all the way through. I've actually got it on loop, so it loops around again. And yeah. but if I stop and come back, <laughs> I put it right back from the start again. I think I agree with that. I mean, there's only one track at the moment that, when I'm listening, is the one that makes me like stopping my tracks. And it's like it's probably the cliche track for everyone listening to this album at the moment. It's Dawn Chorus. That is such a beautiful track and i know like a lot of people are like oh, so it's the obvious track it's the true love weights of you know the album whatever but i don't know what it is with that track it's such a simple track it's so monotonal the way he sings it it's so simple with the, the chords and everything like that and it's got those kind of digital birds at the end but i i, I watched an interview with uh, zane lowe and tom york which i'll share with you later on i'll put in the link if anyone uh, blows anyone wants to see that as well and zane lowe was saying when he heard that track he was listening to the full album when he heard that track, he had to stop his car because he got into a flood of tears because every lyric kind of started, well, the lyrics in it started kind of saying stuff to him. It kind of started resonating with him. And he said to Tom York, he said, do you, what, what do you feel about that? And Tom York gave him a high five 
And I've never seen Tom York do anything like no. that's remotely normal, like giving someone a high five. Even then, it was just like weird. Like, what the hell is that coming out of Tom's arm? <laughs> and he was like, it's the same for me. It's the same for me when I was writing that. I I wrote it as a stream of consciousness because I know I wanted to write something that you know meant something. So, but it was just kind of just came out of me. And you get that because it, it literally reels off, reels off like a list, doesn't it? Yeah. But there's so many bits in that song where it's just like, I just hear something. I've got, oh my God, that relates to me. That relates to me. You know, that most powerful music does that. It kind of relates to you in some way, I find. And but, it is, because so I've picked up on that track as well. And like, so you watch the entire, you listen to the entire thing. Um, and, and you don't really listen to it like following the tracks and things like that. But in listening to it, there's moments throughout it which make you pick up your phone and like go, oh, which one's this? And that Dawn Chorus one was yeah. that on multiple occasions. It was like, oh, it's that song again. All right, yeah. Okay. And it's always that one. It just seems to have just, I don't know, created a nice little moment that makes you want to look it up and, and take notice. I've kind of had that with say all of I suppose Tom York's and Radiohead's music. I always I always say this, but I always find one or two tracks that become anchors on the album and then suddenly all the others light up. And yeah. I suppose Stone Chorus is that track. Um be, watching the Paul Thomas Anderson film helped a bunch as well. Cause when that song comes in, it's like, oh my God, it was just beautiful the way he kind of gets entangled with the actress yeah. um, along the wall. That was just I, I, I'll admit it, I, I watched that film and I cried. I cried, like, mostly at the end, but, like, how amazing, like, we can get a piece of art like this just just put out on Netflix uh, in the in the midst of, like, you know, all the crap that's going on. We get something like that. It was just, it was so beautiful. And um, I've watched it about ten times, that film now. And it's one of us now, I, I sent you, like, a joke version that someone made. Now I've got that in my head every time I watch it. He's kind of ruined it with, like, yeah. Tom's bad day. That was quite funny. The music and all all that kind of stuff. And it's like, uh, 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 all that stuff was really funny. But it was so, it's, I mean, it's it's so well filmed and everything. And and it just made me think, like, it's it's Tommy York and Radiohead doing something really interesting again with the way they kind of put music out there. It's not, it's like you, when you have a music video, you, you suddenly think oh, a one track thing. This is three tracks in a short film. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see other people do this now. You're going to see other directors want to do this or other budding directors want to work with artists, which is amazing. Well, I, I, mean, I hope it goes that way anyway. From like a musician looking at it from like, I don't know, a band perspective, you're like, this is great, that the, what they've done here. Because that release was just beautiful in its um, choreography of, I don't know, the, the album came out, what did that come out on Friday? Yeah, because we were talking about, or oh, they were doing them limited release screenings. It was first come, first serve of yeah. this film that was a kind of short film accompanying the album release. You know, so there's hype surrounding that. Then it's released on Netflix on Friday, and it's like, okay, that's pretty cool that that's happened. You know, using this giant platform, which is film. You know, you know, music videos released on a platform which is for like TV shows and film. And that's pretty cool. And then there was stuff um, before it. Um, George, my wife, my wife, um, 
in her scientific journal magazines was like, what's this? Is this, do you know about this? What is it? And it was um, a number, a phone number, um, which they sometimes do for um, like MI5, MI6 and stuff like that, sometimes put in adverts, just randomly, just put like a phone number for certain people to ring and QP. Um, and it turned out to be, uh, you know, Tom York's album. Yeah. Um, thing. It was just weird. But she rang it like not knowing that. Um, and I was like, all right, yeah, this is what it's for and, and things. So it was, I don't know, it's just been beautifully, uh, beautifully implemented and put forward. And it really adds to like, I don't know, the kind of hysteria or like the what you think about the the album and, and things like yeah. that. It's an experience and you associate the album with it. Yeah, de like definitely that. agree with that. The, the association, the um, the music with all everything that's going on. Like, it's so weird as well because they released this just after they'd stopped the OK Computer extras on Bandcamp, which is weird, isn't it? Because, you know, that had just stopped and then suddenly Tom York's album was out. Yeah. And it's not like they planned that gap because it was 18 days for the 18 discs or whatever it was. And then it was like a couple of days and then suddenly Tom York album was out. I was like, this is crazy. I just worked out so so much in their favour. Um, I'm going to buy the album on vinyl next week. I'm not going to buy this stupid £60 one, but I'm going to buy the other one, the smaller one, um, the bag version, as we called it last week. But yes. it's not out till next week. Um, I think like once I get like a physical version of an album, I, I get more attuned to the tracks. I don't know what it is. I, I play when I'm when streaming. It's, it it becomes like part of like you know the environment or the room or when I'm what I'm doing when I put an album on. It's like okay, I'm putting a record on now, and it's two sides, and that always helps. You know, to kind of like split it up. So I'll probably come off that like uh, knowing the names, of the tracks a lot more. I feel like I kind of do. What would you think compared to the Eraser and uh, Tomorrow's Modern Boxes? Where does it where does it rank? Uh, it's hard to be. I mean, it's there's the only two albums, aren't they? The only other two Tom York albums. Because I don't even class Tomorrow's Modern Boxes as an album, yeah. but I suppose people would. I only look at Eraser and, and this, the two. Um, but I mean, he's got a ton of material, mm -hmm. just, um, kind of spread out with other artists and, and things like that. So, um. It's it's kind of different. Uh, I suppose it's off the back of listening to like Moonshape Pool and like yeah. um, what they've been doing that, and it's even similar to things like um, you know like In Bloom and Kingdoms yeah. type area. You know the sounds. It's there. weird because I get a kind of <clears throat> um, Hail to the Thief am amnesiac vibe from it, like the, the first half of. Hell to the Thief, which all like and blips and blops and backdrafts and things like that. That's where I kind of get from it. It's it's just it's weird because I was trying to think is is it is to what do I like this more than the Razor? I don't know because the Razor felt like whoa, Tom York's got an album out and it's brilliant. Like it is really good. With this one, you've, the expectations kind of already there. Well, the first time that I listened to it, I was like. This is a an electronic album mm -hmm. in the same way that, say, um, 
and it sounds a lot like it. It sounds like Border Canada. Yeah, yeah, um, we got that vibe. Like a Border Canada album, but with Tom York. Yeah. So, I think he's always been kind of chasing that. He's definitely been chasing the Aphex Twin kind of uh, inspiration. But like his well, lyrics and his singing and all that kind of stuff, it's secondary. Mm. Whereas on Eraser, it's primary. You know, he's he's playing piano and it's like yeah, the songs aren't they? The song is taking the the lead on it. Yeah. On this, you could listen to the entire thing and almost not even notice what he's saying. You know, you only notice it on a couple of tracks like Dawn Chorus because it's not as much in your face. I mean, no, he's it, there, but like it's in the mix and you know the, yeah. the music in some ways. The atmosphere is creating through that. It's taking. You're the, right, yeah, because Dawn Chorus is probably the most linear track on it. The one that you can grasp. The one you can grasp straight away from start yeah. to finish, doesn't that change? I forgot because there's a, a Atoms for Peace as well. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, because a, a mock. Uh, did he have a, a first album? I can't remember. I've got the second album on vinyl, anyway. I don't know, I'll put the first one anyway, it doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, I, I, I love this album. I have it's the one album I've listened to the most since it's come out, anyway. It's the one album I go, oh, well, just keep playing that, keep playing that because I know with Radiohead and Tommy Hawk that. The more I play it, the more I get more out of it, you know. And I was I was talking about this the other day. Like, there's this weird kind of digital magpie thing that everyone's got at the moment, where everyone's looking for the shiny, best new hype thing. So another album comes out, or another film comes out, and everyone jumps on it, and they don't spend time with the thing that's supposed to be, you know, something you spend time with. Mm. And Tom York and Radiohead stuff are very much like that for me, anyway where you get the most out of it if you put some time and effort into kind of discovering it and, you know, exploring it, rather than listen to it once and then, oh, there's another shiny album I'll go and listen to. You know what? There's got always going to be endless albums that's listened to, but spend a bit of time. That's what my my kind of thing is. Yeah, I've, I can definitely say I've given this a lot of time. Yeah. Um, you know, it has been one of them where it's like, even just putting it on in the background, but then there's been elements of times where it's like, oh, I'm going to sit down. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to sit there. Well, it's weird because we have our, um, I'm going to be quite, we have our Alexa device um, um, to come on every morning with BBC Six uh, when we're getting up. And it seems like every morning they're always playing one track from the album. It's either, well, it's either Dawn Chorus or Not The News at the moment. I mean, the tracks from, uh, must have a track from the film Traffic, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and they're playing one of those tracks, so that's pretty cool. Like that, they were able to extract, you know, some tracks to play because no one releases singles anymore. So I always wonder how that happens. You know, when they put tracks on the radio, what did they do with them? You know, well, obviously people do select single, put singles out, but you know, for bands like Radiohead and Tommy Hawk and stuff there, they just pour out a bunch of tracks and like, what do you do? <laughs> you just choose a selection, which is kind of better, better really. Don't have to spend money on a video, although probably spent a lot of money on that Paul Thomas Anderson thing. Paul Thomas Anderson, same birthday as me. That's really? Cool. I, was, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Uh, it's also the same day as uh, Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> you, know, do you, know, do you know from um, uh, Parks and Recreation? Yeah. Yeah. I've got John Candy. No, you haven't. I think so. No, you haven't got John. No, you're not having John Candy. I'm going to look that up now. And I was born on the same day as the Cheeky Girls. <laughs> I believe that one. I don't believe John Candy. I, I feel like it's no. I feel like 
Don't we cry? Hey Siri. Oh yeah, go on. When is John Candy's birthday? There you go. 31st of October. 31st of Really? That's crazy. Yeah. Hey, we've got a comment here. Um, John David uh, Cotham. Cotham? Cotham? I know I just spell that. Uh, hi, Steve. I am a lyricist who would like to work with a keyboardist in Liverpool. Was hoping to find someone who was looking for a commercial writer. I just want to get jamming and gigging and have some fun or having fun. Uh, I don't know if you are based in Liverpool, John, but the best advice I'll give you is like on Facebook, there is a, a, a Liverpool band's Facebook group and they will post out your, um, your, whatever, you know, whatever you want, your ad, I suppose to get in touch with them, send them a private message and they'll post that out for you. Uh, they've also got Twitter as well. So reach out there as well. I hope you find someone keyboard play is really hard to find, you know? Um, you want to work with, yeah, the keyboard hard. It's like a drummer, isn't it? Drummers are really hard. People say drummers are really hard to find, but a keyboard player is hard to find because a keyboard player's got, you know, it's you're not going to get an all rounder around for a keyboard player. You're going to get someone who wants wants to be Brian Eno or wants to be Phil Collins or something, you know. Um, yeah, have you got any other ideas? Me? Yeah. No. Is Gigwise still a thing? Do you remember that? Oh God, yeah. I don't know if that even exists anymore. No, like, I used did, to visit that all the time. No, we didn't find us at each other on Gigwise, did we? No, I don't even know. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, we met through a mutual friend. But I used to use, I might have used Gigwise. I think I found some, I put adverts up in music shops. Yeah. That's another suggestion to do. I've got a video about how to find members as well, um, which I'll dig out for you later if you, on the description. Um, and one of them was yeah, use Liverpool bands. Um, Put advert, adverts up in shops, uh, music shops such as Dawson's and um, whatever places, uh, universities, things like that. You know, the ones where you put your phone number or email address on. Um, just, and just, obviously loads of online boards like um, Gigwise. I don't think that exists anymore. I'm sure I had like a really basic one like bandmeetup.com or something like that in the back of the day. That's how we found our original drummer. Um, wow, that's crazy. Probably got on things like Reddit. Like, yeah, Reddit. Yeah. The Liverpool Li subreddit or something. That's like. a good one. There's Liverpool subreddit, which is really they're really helpful. They're yeah, really, yeah. really helpful. Yeah, that's a really good shout that. Um that's all I can think of at the moment. Um so Glastonbury. We talked enough about Tommy Walk. Glastonbury. So uh do you you watch quite a bit of it? Do you, do you normally watch a lot of Glastonbury? Or would you just you be like, you know, I'm gonna watch a lot lots more because I want to talk about it? No, no, um normally just have it on. Um what? And then, do you normally uh, channel surf, and or do you just normally stay on something, or do you get bored and just go on to something else? Uh, it's kind of a mix, to be honest. I mean, it, they don't do it on live TV anymore, really, do they? You've got to be on Red Button and and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, this year it was mostly looking at schedule of like who do I kind of want to see, um, and then in between, just kind of looking at other random bands. Yeah, I did the same. Honestly, looking at the power of using the power of random to kind of almost like bring new people forward, and that was it. That, that's where we did it. I did the same thing, really, because no, I didn't want to just go through the list and go, I'll pick out all the ones I already know I liked. I wanted to pick out people 
who I did like, but I've never seen live to see what they were like. And also ones that, you know, people have said are good and I, maybe I should check them out. Um, to be honest, this year there wasn't, I mean, the, yeah, the entire schedule for it, there wasn't that many bands that I'm like, oh, I really want to see that. Yeah. You know, and having to tune in. In fact, the only one was probably Stormzy. That was the one you wanted to see? Yeah, because I didn't know anything about him, but mm. I knew that he was quite a popular guy and he's quite political in, in his, like, in his music, but also, uh, you know, he's quite... Uh, and he's a nice guy. I just wanted to see what kind yeah. of thing he did. Yeah, I, I, I same thing with Stormzy, really, because I, th I think you kind of pushed me to, towards him because I think a while ago you had mentioned Stormzy, and then I saw him on Graham Norton, and I thought he was oh, he was a really nice guy. I'll see what he's like, you know, yeah. in front of thousands of people because that's got to be a killer. And from the show I did watch, I mean, I must admit, I watched the first five minutes and I was like, wow, this is really really interesting, really good. But after then, after that, I kind of, I, you know, my taste started kicking in. I was like, it's, but it's not my kind of thing. I was just like, mm, it's, it's, it's all right. And then I kept fleeting between that and um, other bands, which I'll talk about in a minute. But when I came back, um, I think I think you messaged me at the time saying, Chris Martin's on the stage now. Yeah. And I was like, God, Chris Martin was everywhere. I, yeah, I think he was on everyone's stage. Did you hear that joke that someone said uh, that the cure were in their dressing room and they turned the lights off all high in the corner because Chris Martin was outside <laughs> knocking on the door <laughs> saying, God, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you <really> help. <laughs> He's one with everyone. But uh, yeah, yeah, I kept coming back. And to be honest, um, the show they were putting on with the, the ballerinas and stuff. The ballerinas, like, because it was male ballerina. It was a male ballerinas as well, wasn't it? Do you call that ballerina? Is it? Is that the plural? Ballerina. Ballet dancers. Ballet dancers. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but that was cool. All that was cool, and there's other singers and things coming out. So we kind of made a they made a big show out of it. I just thought it was going to be storms in the middle, and I thought no, well, you know, no, it was good. I mean, I actually quite liked the uh, the start of it when it was just him in the middle. Yeah. Um, I thought, uh, you know. Really powerful singer. Um, I think anyone who can kind of sing that fast. <laughs> I really like, I'm not an expert when it comes to that kind yeah. of music, but like lyrical delivery and what have you for it. And like being able to kind of hold a stage and an audience all by yourself. Um, you know, it takes a lot to do that. I was thinking that because, I mean, this sounds stupid because you know, we're both musicians. We know what it's like to play loads of music and remember it but for someone who's got to remember that many words for so many songs and not mess up once no no in, on your own in front of that many people i'd be bricking it it was like what you know i've I, I played a bum note like to two people <laughs> do you know what i mean so my like, god i mean you've got to be the top of your game to be able to do that like, I'll, I'll definitely give them that no i liken it to the adele one what was that two years ago now or something Maybe three, I don't know. Wow. Um, where it was like an artist I don't really know much about. I know they're popular, so I'm going to dip my toe in and just have a look. And I know. got a few from Glastonbury this year like that. But, um, yeah, I did Adele, and it made me really appreciate Adele. I just thought, wow, she's insanely talented, which obviously she's got to be to be where she was. But I kind of enjoyed it. I didn't yeah. think I was going to enjoy something like that. By the way, hey, hey, Sunbury. Just says, hey, guys. Hey. Um, so 
I was switching from Stormzy to, I think it was Interpol. We were on the same time, which was, it's a weird, because I'm a big fan of Interpol, the first two albums, especially the first album, and then it's just a kind of a drip of singles after that. And I was kind of excited about, okay, I've never seen them live. I've wanted to, just, it's just never worked out for me. But I've got to say, the kind of boring live from what I saw on TV, mm. you know, it's probably sacrilegious, but... I, I think I realise it's because Interpol are kind of a introspective band, you know, ones that you kind of you've got they're like Joy Division or something like that, but without the kind of crazy antics of Ian Curtis, I suppose. So it just kind of came across a bit like dull. Yeah, I, I saw quite a few bands which were quite dull. In 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 that, I mean, the you know they were playing music, which you know people. I'm not going to comment on whether I like the music, yes or no, because it's just opinion. Um, but yeah. it was it was dry. It was just it was bands trying to make their live experience as close to CD perfect, CD studio perfect as they could possibly get them. And you could just close your eyes and be like, "Am I listening to a CD here, or am I watching a band play?" Yeah, I mean, Pale Waves. Yeah, we got that oh, from Pale Waves. Me, I'd never heard of the band, and to be honest, when they started playing, I thought, "Oh, this is cool. I like all that kind of, you know, nod to the '80s with all those synths and things like that." And you know, Churches are a band I really like, and they yeah. do this sort of stuff really well. But um, I can't remember the singer of Churches, Lauren or something like that. She runs around the stage and her little dresses and something like that. It's cool. Everything about it's really good. Pale Waves, I don't know. It's there just, was no improvisation. There was no. It was just rubbish. Yeah. Even equally, she's telling us that she's an emo every two seconds. Oh, that was it. I think that was what it was because I wanted to focus on the music, which I, I couldn't really get anything from, to be honest. Uh, I like the synth sounds. I mean, I always say that if you don't like music, maybe take away all the bits you don't like. You're left with something you do like. I did like the synths. Um, but every time she mentioned, like, oh, I'm, because I'm an emo, or this song's going to be really sad now, and it, but it wasn't. It was the kind of same kind of song. And I just, I did, I didn't get it. It just what. But then I was thinking, am I? Is it? It's not for me or something. But then again, I like churches, which would sit along with this genre of music totally. But it just, just didn't get in tune with it at all. No, I, I couldn't. Looking at the audience, which was quite sizable, I was yeah. like, what, "Are you all here because you like this?" Yeah, yeah. You know, or are you here because it's inside and I don't know? It's too. It's silly. weird the audience thing, isn't it? Because sometimes you don't kind of relate or they don't kind of participate. I was watching um, Low last night and um, their their set, and Low are kind of a drudgy, grungy. They could play sometimes. They play really slowly and then get really loud. It's only you know free piece, um, but they do try to get the audience to sing along. And I don't. This is the thing as well with Glastonbury from watching the you know from TV sets. We don't know what the actual mix is. You know what is actually going on. If you're not there, you know you don't know how well mic'd up the audience is. So you know we got to take that with a pinch of salt, really. But when they were trying to get the audience to sing along with them, it just it didn't sound like they were taking part at all. And they just kept trying to go, come on, guys, sing, sing. We've seen you. We've we've seen you on TV singing before. So come and sing. And they just wouldn't do it. And I was thinking, yeah, I just like, I, I would do it. I'd, you know, I'd have a go. Like, but then again, it's like, I don't know, maybe they, 
you're not you're not getting the audience who've come to see low you've come to the audience who've come to see glastonbury yeah you know what i mean so it's a big it's a mixed bag so which i just want to i thought low were great and um i'm not amazingly familiar with the band i've jumped in and out and every time i've heard them i like what i hear and i messaged you last night and said you know there was this track dedicated to john peel and you don't know what track it was but in the in the end of the track they went really loud and it was just droney and like both like the bass and guitars and drums really loud just loads a cacophony of noise and it just made me think oh god i want to play some guitar with justin that's what it made me feel like it's like this is what i want to do i want to i felt like i felt like ringing you up and saying let's go and do an ep mm. where we've just uh us making loads of noise like really quickly and you were like I've, you might have got that hint or whatever i was saying but um you said oh let's talk about this on the on the webcast tomorrow no but, uh, if we were playing there, we could get people to sing along to our tunes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the thing is like because we can, you know, we we'll talk, we'll talk about other bands and what we did like and what we didn't like. We've had this year from you know reviews in the past. Remember we had a review. A, I can't remember what, what website it was. But they just kept mentioning Hollyoaks or something. <laughs> yeah, I think we might have said we got our music in Hollyoaks, and then that was it. The, re the review just talked about Hollyoaks. <sighs> What was happening in Hollyoaks? Yeah, that was a better review than our music. The best um, that I saw, right, was Idols. That was next on my list. Hands down, easily yeah. the best like performance that yeah, of the entire weekend. I, I, I've heard of them, and people have said to me like them, and then when I look at the genre, and I haven't been into kind of I don't know what to call them, like I suppose punk rock. Yeah, or, the, a punk band. Yeah, and I've never really been into punk for years, really. It just, I did, and then I realised after watching Idols, I had had this kind of punk-shaped gap in my like music listening um, thing for years now, and I was like, okay, and Idols were the ones to fill it. We'll talk about it. John um, just said um, the Killers. We'll talk about the Killers in a minute, John. I've got a lot, lots to say about the Killers, um, but Idols were great. Like Idols were really good. There's the, particularly the um, I can't remember the song name, but it's one I've been listening to a lot this week called Danny. Danny, it's their big hit anyway. Danny it, Boyle? No, not Danny Boyle. It's a, uh, about refugees because they're quite political. Oh, yeah, they? yeah, the refugee one. Yeah, uh, and yeah, the, uh, the main singer um, starts crying when he starts looking out at the uh, the crowd. Like I suppose uh, the achievement of what he's he's been able to do and. And then I think it's the other guitarist just kind of crowd surfing while he's doing it. And the singer's wife comes on to kind of oh, give him yeah. a hug. And I'm not messing, my God, it's like, that was such a lovely moment. That made me think, God, I love this band. They've just got so, such passion in what they did. And it's like, yeah, that's it. Now I've, I've become a fan of Idols. That's a, that no, was a it, great it, moment. It really was. It kind of like, if you'd have discovered them on Spotify, you wouldn't have known anything about that backstory thing. But seeing them live, you know, it's the power of live performance and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, why it's good. It adds another layer to, to it. But you saw big hearts. You saw people that have worked for years and years and years. They've been active for like 10 years or so. Wow. Um, you know, they've, uh, and then you, he's talking about like his family. He's talking about political things. So, you know, there was a lot about the NHS and, and, and things like that. And you're like... I get this. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just good. It adds a richness to the music as well. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Because a while ago I did, I made a video about like the future of live music. 
And I suppose one thing I left out was, you know, that kind of experience of seeing something happen once only, you know, that's never going to happen again. That's so unique. You know, you can imagine those times happening for like, you know, Johnny Cash getting on stage and something happening. And I remember listening to a, 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 a San Quentin album and Johnny Cash like starts laughing in the midst of it. And um, he's telling his guitarist, I think it was, that you do know this is being recorded for a record. And it's like, my God, I'm so glad that got recorded because it's such a nice, intimate moment to hear someone just break character or whatever from the song. And then when you saw that on TV with Idols, it was like, yeah, you, you're right. You're never going to get that just from listening to this, the music on Spotify. You, I, and you're right. I would never have become a fan if I'd not seen that moment I could connect with in an emotional level. And that's what's kind of missing, I suppose, from yeah. being on on this side of the headphones or whatever, you know. I mean, we got it from watching it on TV, so there is still the kind of connection you can still watch it from, you know, afar. But I think you know, watching something live or being part of that experience is so important. I think, don't think just listening to, like, the release as is, you know, is enough in some cases, you know. Yeah. Um, no. Do you want to move on to the killers then? What did you think of the killers? I didn't watch them. You didn't watch it? No. Oh. What did, what did I watch instead? I can't remember. <laughs> I think I messaged you at the time they were on. So, um, so, I mean, there was other bands coming up to The Killers, but I'll go straight to The Killers. They were great. They were so good. I mean, I've heard people online say, oh, they're not as good as they used to be, or they've only got, you know, a bunch of singles or whatever. Yeah, every song they played was like a hit. You know, um, you have that first album, which I think is great, like a really good album from years ago. Um, they even started off with the first track of that album. That was Jenny was a friend of mine. So we can tell, like, they still kind of believe in their first album because it felt like a set that I've seen before. Uh, and then it was just a, a kind of like just tracks from their other albums, which I'm not that aware of because I remember, I think, trying to listen to their other albums. It was just like nowhere as good as that at debut. But the themes are just, oh my God, it was such a good set. Pet Shop Boys came out, Neil Tennant, I can't remember the other guy. And they did a cover of uh, Always On My Mind because the Pet Shop Boys had a famous cover of that, you know, the Elvis song. And they played that together and that was brilliant. Um, oh, so, but someone else came out. Who was? Someone else came out straight Chris out. Martin. Who was? Oh, no. <laughs> Chris Mon. Uh, John, have you watched it? Who was it who came out after the Pet Shop Boys? Um, I can't remember, but it was good. It was such a good set. It was such a good feel, good set. I mean, I I do like them. I like when you were young is my favorite killer song. Um, and they play that near the end. They played all the hits, Mr. Brightside, and all that stuff. It just I don't know. It's just it's nice to know a band like that from years ago from the indie scene are still big. And that's the thing I got from watching Glass for Me this year. That there's still a lot of bands from you know the indie scene years ago with guitars and actual instruments that are still big and getting these big crowds you know from a lot of people we know would say oh music's dead or music died in the Britpop <laughs> era it's still there just yeah it is you know if pulp were there pulp, everyone would have went to see pulp or suede were there everyone would have went to see suede we'd be talking about them as well yeah and, the i mean the crowds were just uh unbelievable i was look, i can't remember which band it was i was what Idols was one. Yeah. And you were like, Jesus Christ, playing to that size of crowd must be, well, I don't know, intimidating. Did you, see, did you see Kylie's face when she came out? She was like, 
because she came out with these weird like revolving door things at the start, and she came out and she was just like, like that. And it was like, what? <laughs> what did you think of Carly? Um, I like. I, I, I watched it last really night. Had someone, a, a girl, a young girl, um, singing along with her, so that when Kylie got tired, the song still carried on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I they needed more back backing singers. I felt like I felt like there was like a backing track and she was on top, but the mix was weird and a microphone was weird as well because yeah. it just kicked just die sometimes. Sometimes when she talked, it'd come out really loud and then she starts singing and it was like a not like she was miming, it was weird. No, I'm gonna say that it went quiet because someone's there going turn turn Kylie down. Oh yeah, they're trying. It just it, it felt weird. It, I don't. I didn't think the mix was good for her. She kept checking her ear like this, so she couldn't. I don't think she could hear properly. And there's some notes that were really bad, and I felt I felt really bad for her to be honest because it started off quite well, and I was like, because you mentioned something about like being out of tune, I was like, and I was like, oh no, she's fine. She's fine. Oh my god! Oh, there was a point where I was I was I, I looked at Lindsay and I was like, no, what no, I can't. I felt really bad for it, and it was just. Oh, and it, but then it went on for hours. It was it was on for hours. But do you know what? She put on a good show, and I, I reckon people who were actually there had a better um, you know time than we did watching it because I've got a feeling it was the mix that we had at home. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, <laughs> um, Billie Eilish. Did I you see? What? No, I didn't catch that. But John just mentioned that. Really positive things about it. I um. Did you say him? Her. Her, so, yeah, sorry. Uh, I, only, I only knew about it recently. I think uh, the track I knew was from the end of the film Brightburn. I don't know if you saw that, about the evil Superman thing. It's a decent film. And the track, I think it was called Bad Boys at the end of it. It's a good song, to be honest. It's a really good song. Who was I... complimented it the, the other day? Oh, there was a news article about it. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Oh, something to do with Nirvana. I think it was Dave Grohl. Was wow. it? I think it was her. It might not have been. Wow. Take that as it might be, though. She, she's 17, which is quite insane for someone to be at Glastonbury and, you know, yeah. of a massive crowd. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it wasn't my kind of thing. I mean, I do like that track, but like a lot of the, she sings in that kind of low, kind of uh, sullen, monotonal kind of uh, way. And it, I don't don't know if it really worked. I mean, at home anyway, uh, just on her own on the stage. It just it was. You know, it, I felt like it needed more to it, like uh, more theatrics to the music. I don't know, but um, if, if I don't know, I like that one track anyway. So stuck around for that. Yeah, John just said she reminds me of uh, a younger Eminem. Yeah, she definitely kind of had that style, waving her arms around like she didn't care and stuff like that. I mean, I loved Eminem back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. Do you remember when? Remember when Eminem was good? Um, who else? Blake Selvin was really good. I didn't listen to it. To be honest, it's, was it worth it's worth listening? It's worth listening to. Yeah, yeah. it's different than. Yeah. Um, I know people use the term old school quite a lot, but it is certainly going. Does he? Uh, does he reference him himself? He was focusing on it's just. Does he say, oh, I'm yeah, back again? Uh, <laughs> a lot of his music was like, he comes back and he goes, hey, guys, I'm back again. No. <laughs> <We're t> <laughs> um, 
No, he, he, I don't think he re self refers oh, wow. that much, which is a big difference in in his music. But it is it's good. It's oh, do you know what? I did hear one track, and I thought it was cool, but I thought like, oh no, everyone's going to think this is cheesy. But I I really liked it. It was attached to the film Venom. You know, the Tom Hardy. Venom. I, I'm aware of that film. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I like that film. Whatever. Wow. I thought it was all right. Um, yeah, I thought it was all right for a vet. What 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 you can do with a Venom film? I thought it was okay. Um, but it was attached with the, the the Venom track was attached to it, and I thought it was a cool track. It was really 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 dark. I don't know if that Venom tracks on that album, but it was a good track. Um, who else did you see? Did you see Cat Power? A little bit. Yeah. I was a big Quantum. fan of Cat Power years ago. One album, You Are Free. I don't know if you remember that album. No, with Dave yeah. Grohl drummed on it. And then everything after that, it's, she's kind of gone into that kind of Americana, slow, yeah. jazzy rock. And it's it's all right. It has, a, has its place. Sometimes I put it on. But um, I, was, I, I really wanted more of those songs from that album. I think she only played one, which was Good Woman. And I was like, oh, more of the kind of... Chemical Brothers is who I watched whilst Killers were on. Ah, I didn't watch any of that. What did you think? Yeah, it's good. It was good. Um, I really liked their new album. Yeah. Um, a proper listen. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's the thing with um, Chemical Brothers. I don't know, Daft Punk, any, you know, Justice or anything like that. You know, essentially, like, what am I watching? Just two guys on stage pretending to twiddle knobs and do stuff. You know, what actually is it that they're doing? Yeah. But the way that uh, they've, they kind of get around it and things is the excitement of the show that they sort of put on. You know, it's lights and images, you know, it's kind of, um, what is it, visual artists, you know, video artists that we used to kind of, you know, dream about getting. You know, to play along with you with like because you used to be able to get like chaos pads and what have you for video couldn't you yeah remember um so it was stuff like that and it was it was good yeah yeah i did switch over a couple of times or watched a lot of people loved it and i've like shows and things i'm i always think about chemical brothers because i had a chance to see them at glastonbury when i went years ago and i think they were on the same time as nine inch nails which is must have been annoying for some people, but it was annoying for me at the time because like I would have liked to see them. But um, I'm the same with like I'm not I'm not into that kind of it sounds it makes it makes me sound really dated now. I'm not into the kind of rave culture of getting standing there and just dancing. And I don't know what else I'd do to watch the Chemical Brothers. Do you know what I mean? I need to see something going on. I need to see someone playing instruments. I need to see someone with the crowd. I mean the light show and stuff like that. I'd probably get lost in that. That's amazing, but. I think I need more. I'm more, as I said before, even with the Interpol thing, I need, I'm more of an introspective listener. I'm not a kind of get in a group and everyone puts their hands in the air and stuff. I'm not that kind of person. That's why I was never kind of like, I'll go and see Oasis live or whatever, because I never wasn't part of that group mentality. I'm more about like walking around with headphones on, listening to the music. That's yeah. why Radiohead insanely appealed to me. Um, just before we move on to Liam Gallagher, I suppose it's a good segue for that one. But uh, John's asked, what's your view on Music Gateway for getting work out? Music Gateway. Um, John, do you think, do you, do you mean, what's your best way to get your music out there? Um, I mean, just 
it, it sounds like a cliche, but just being out there, you know, like I'm, do, I'm, I'm, I'm on here now talking to Justin and like, I'm a musician, get my music out there. And I feel like nowadays you've just got to be everywhere. You've just got to use all these opportunities that are around and um, utilize them. I mean, it, you can't just put a, a track out and then walk away and think there's going to be lines of people out there to go and listen to it. You know what I mean? I always say like you've got to try and appeal to as many people as possible, I suppose. And, so utilize like YouTube and you know make make your own podcast like I'm doing here with Justin and um, I don't know get involved in the scene. That's it. Yeah, it's more about getting people to be able to listen to it. As soon as if you listen to a track that um, I don't know you enjoy, then you're likely to then follow up and go, oh right, yeah, I'm going to check them out a little bit more. I did it this week. Um, Um, yeah at the post rock group on facebook this week uh, they posted a band and i was like oh check them out one was called autism interesting name and they're, they're from um lithuania i think they yeah. were and it's just really really dark uh come on where are you Oh yeah, and then and then the other day they posted Esben and the Witch. I've heard of them. Well, I never heard yeah, of them. I've done right? the music, but I've heard of them. I'm sure they they're not local, are they? No, uh, we right. I'm sure we got, or maybe we've um, got a band that sounds like them. Um, and so I've been listening to them; they're really good. Yeah, um, but it's just a case of you know getting cutting out there, you that way. Maybe what was that? Oh, Come on, say it again. Get music out there as much as you can so that someone has a chance to listen to it. Because it's not like everyone goes to record store. No. And that's it. And you've nailed it, really, because the way you just described the way you found music there was not the artist saying, hey, listen to my music, which never works. It always sounds a little bit desperate. We've got to say, I, I feel desperate when I say listen to my music. But when someone else says it, an authority figure like the post rock Facebook page who share a lot of good post rock music. If they share it, you're gonna make, Oh, I'm gonna check them out because they've shared it. It's yeah. more of a word of mouth thing. So, you know, I suppose that's why I would make videos that are helpful to musicians. So, musicians might share those videos and go, Oh, that guy knows what he's talking about. What does he do? I might listen to his music or whatever. It's just kind of like getting yourself out there and in as many ways as possible. Um, Liam Gallagher. I don't know if you watched Liam Gallagher. I saw Champagne Supernova and what was the one he did before? Supersonic. Oh yeah. Was it? Yeah. I was um I was surprised because I you know I've I've said it before. I kind of I was a massive fan of Oasis up until Be Here Now, and then I kind of lost interest with them. But I always dip in now and again to see what they're up to. I'm not that much of a fan of the you know the solo output really. Um, but I thought his vocals were really good because up until well, this year, I, I think he was kind of losing his voice or something. Um, and I think he was really good. He was like top notch with his vocals, supersonic. He was great. The champagne supernova with the dedication to Keith Flint. At the end was quite nice. I was like, okay, you see him. He, he, it sounds like he's, he's had some kind of vocal training again. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was good. No, I watched a, an interview with him the other day. Um, with the BBC, and 
it was quite a good interview. It was only short, um, a short clip of it. So I think it was like five minutes long. Probably not even that, like four minutes, three minutes. Wow. But in that time, he managed to say, do you know what I mean? 26 times, I counted them. <laughs> I, I love him. I don't know what it is. I maybe growing up with him and um, and, and Noel, and they just, they were the first bit of kind of rebellion I came across in music when I was a yeah. kid. And I needed that. And, um, you know, just not giving a crap. I love that, the attitude they had, um, which is whatever. And they were funny, you know. I, I love that. Um, so I'm always going to be interested in what they're doing. I don't think the, the, the new music's that that good. It's Liam's, it feels like he's trying to do what he did years ago with the kind of rock and roll stuff. And I feel like Noel's trying to do something different, but I'm like still, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not one of those people who want Oasis to get back together because I didn't like Oasis when they were, when, when the you know, split up. <laughs> I liked them from the first few albums. And the thing, the thing there is when they didn't have that much money, when they were kind of working class, and they were singing for the guy on the street. As soon as they got limousines and pools and things, I was like, all right, um, you're, yeah. Yeah. you're overblowing the music. You put, you've got a million tracks on this, on this song. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can go back to that. It's a bother. I still think they're funny. And I'm, I do want to watch that Liam Gallagher documentary, which if, um, I need to get a copy of soon. Um, Liam Gallagher, okay, who else? Okay, The Cure? Uh, I watched a little bit of it, but I was kind of tired, so I went to bed. Is it really bad for me to say? I'm going to... This is going to annoy so many people, because I know so many people are the fans of The Cure. I was bored. Probably why I went to bed. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I get it. Loads of people love... I was never there for the start of The Cure, so I've never got that kind of, you know... Thing that people love about the cure. I like the later singles, like Close to Me and you know, Lullaby and all those, the kind of commercial singles, I suppose, what they would say. But I was never there from the start. So so everything just kind of like, all right, it's another one of those dark, depressing, gloomy songs again. And if everything just kind of sounded the same, I'm I, I get it, like people are gonna hate me for that, but like I've I've tried, I've tried so many times with the cure, and um I just I I don't think it's for me. No, no, it's not for me either. I think there's a nostalgia there that I can't connect with. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is, yeah. I mean, because they created the scene. It's not like the Beatles where you can appreciate, you know, the harmonies and the melodies years later. With The Cure, there was a scene they created, you know, with the, I don't know, like the, was it, I'm going to say gothic, I'm going to sound really old. You know, the goths, when you used to sound, sound outside Quiggins. <laughs> But uh, it just feels a bit like that. It feels a bit like, oh, I missed out on that scene and I can't connect in that way um, or any scene. Um, who else did you watch? Uh, Sharon Van Etten? No, not heard of that. Have you not heard of her? No. Oh, you need to check her out. She's brilliant. Um, I first saw her on Jules Holland a few years ago and I was just playing piano and uh, that album, are we, are we There Yet? She was phenomenal. They draw the out. Um, vocals and then she's got a new album out this year i can't remember the name of it ready something ready anyway we went, we went to see her in march in manchester and she blew us away absolutely fantastic she was there in glastonbury her set for me is probably my favorite set of the whole glastonbury really? to be honest yeah so you need to check it out um sharon venerton uh i watched a bit of hot chip i was like eh, all right yeah i'll chip it all right is it um, watch any of that hot chip? 
Do you hot chip? Yeah, up a little bit. Um, uh, first time I heard of them was, I don't know, Puckle Pop. Oh, yeah. Like way back in when year 2000 still had single digits. Um, and yeah, I haven't really kept up with them since. I like, I think, I always thought they'd be good live. And I think it's one of those things where you watch it on TV, it's not as good as being there. You know what I mean? Because it's quite dancey and there's a lot of stuff going on stage. But when the camera's whizzing around the audience and, and the stage, you don't really get to connect. I was like, yeah. Uh, I watched a little bit of Kate Tempest. She was quite interesting. Like uh, John Hopkins. Did you... Yeah, I, I watched a bit. But again, it's like... You don't like watching people dance. <laughs> yeah, I'm not into it. It's like Strictly Come Dancing, the electronic version. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? It just doesn't do anything for me. I love the record that you put out this year. Uh, Johnny Marr was good. Oh, I missed... I couldn't find footage of it. Oh, it's connected to like another one. I think you, when you go on the iPlayer, I think it's connected to you. You have to watch Johnny Marr and someone else or something like that. Oh. Uh, he was good. I mean, what the thing that surprised me... Uh, because I've nearly I've never really connected with Johnny Marr solo wise for years, I suppose. He's a really good singer. Like when he's singing the Smith songs, I was really surprised how good he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he sang There's a Light That Never Goes Out, I think it was. And then I went and watched him sing uh, Please Let Me Get What You Want, Where I Want. And he was phenomenal. I was like, we don't need Morrissey. We just, you could just recreate the Smiths, you know? Yeah, they could just bring the Smiths back together and. Just ditch um, Morrissey. Yeah, I think that a lot of people be happy with my happy with that at the moment. Yeah, yeah. When was the last time you saw a positive Morrissey story? I don't know. The last one I saw was them taking adverts of his album. Um, they were ripping them down from um, all Liverpool Mersey yeah. rail station. Yeah, someone complained and then they, they ripped them all down. Yeah, God. Oh, God. Um, where else have you got? Before we move on to, oh, I saw Miley Cyrus, and I've got to say, I, I think you touched on like you know watching an artist, you don't really like the music or whatever, but you watch it, and enjoy it. Miley Cyrus was great. Like, yeah. Yeah, sound, someone caught that out and then used that somewhere else, but wow, she has got some lungs on her. Like, because that's the thing, I was comparing her set to Kylie's, where Kylie was really quite like subdued, really low. Miley Cyrus belted each track out it was it was, it was a good show i mean it, i'd never listened to her music ever I'd, I'd go to the radio and switch it off she's that kind of artist but watching it live was like this is a good set she played the um uh the nine inch nails track she she, did, she played in nine uh, in the black mirror episode okay which was quite fun so the pop version and mm -hmm. then uh, one minute later she'd like put on the dress stood on a, a giant speaker and did the rock version that was pretty mm -hmm. cool i was I thought like uh, Trent Reznor was going to come out <laughs> and sing it with it. It was like that close, but it was a cool set. Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd, I'd, as I said, I'm not, I'm not a fan. David, uh, where did you see him? I, I saw a bit of it, and I was just like, <laughs> he's a 94 year old man, and he's a national treasure, and he's talking about saving the planet. Yeah, is that all? Any more hits? Is that all he's got to say? I'm only joking. I'm only joking. He was, it was good, <laughs> but I didn't watch it all. I think I watched it, and I was just. Yeah. And he, although he, he, he just showed a clip, maybe they watched it all. He was just there for a minute, wasn't he? He was only there for like yeah. I did watch it. In. Four minutes. Yeah, I did watch it. Yeah, it, but I remember the clip being really short. 
liked what he showed of his new show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did see uh well the last thing I'll say about Glass for me, I did see Jeff Goldblum. Did you see him do the Jurassic Park bit? No. So all the blogs and all the discussions have been saying, oh, Jeff Goldblum plays the Jurassic Park theme. No, he doesn't. It's that in an interlude between the changing songs, the crowd starts singing the Jurassic Park theme at him. And he goes, oh. And then he starts playing it, like, but like, dun, 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 like that. He doesn't play it properly, which would have been amazing, but he doesn't. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was good. It would be good to see Jeff Goldblum. Is that his music good? good. Is the, yeah, it's like standards. Yeah. But he played the uh, the the theme from film, wherever it is, you know, the Barry Norman show. Yeah. That's where it goes. I like that. Uh should we move on to uh films? And you wanted to talk about Toy Story. What do you think about Toy Story? It was a film. Mm-hmm. Um it looked nice. I didn't come away with it with the same feels as I did with Toy Story 3. What? Really? No. Okay. Wow. Or any of the previous ones. Um, I just didn't I just didn't connect with it. Did your kids like it? One of them fell asleep. <laughs> they one liked Forky. <laughs> to be honest, I Forky, I was like, all right, I get it. But you, you do me head in, Forky. After about a minute of Forky trying to get in the trash, just like, stop this now. This is not funny now. And I, I think I'm an adult. Let that go on quite so long. Yeah, it was a long time. Uh, do you know the one thing I was I did yeah, like about it? Then... Sorry, go on. You say. No, no. Yeah, I was no. to say, um, Buzz wasn't in it enough. You know, because every time Buzz was on screen, it was great. It was really good. It was it was full of the you know the sparks that Buzz gives on the screen, and he was hardly in it. I don't no, know why. No. It, it was, was a, it was a woody. woody story, wasn't it? And I did feel like quite sad at the end. It felt like a you know a loss for us as well because he kind of like that's the that's the end. We know it's the end now. There's no way they could do any more. And even Tom Hanks has said no more Toy Story. So for him to settle mm. down, knowing that he's going to have a nice life with, I don't know how you're supposed to kind of think about that. <laughs> Are they going to have kids? Um, but uh, uh, it's nice. I, I, yeah, I like the ending. I think you know it was quite nice. He just didn't yeah. give me feels. Um, you know, in the in the way that other ones have done. I thought Bo was yeah. a good character. You know, she was cool. Um, but then talking with other parents at school drop-off about it they did get feels by it and they found that they could relate to it in a different way that say i could so my kids are five mm. they have kids which are like coming up to, you know they're teenagers and things like that and they could really connect with the sense of losing purpose in some ways um yeah. you know i mean that's all it was about you know he was left in bonnie didn't give a crap about him anymore in some ways he was left in the closet and stuff like that he, he was looking after bonnie at whatever and that kind of thing but he didn't really need to anymore and you know that's why the focus was on forky 
because it brought back that kind of looking after a, a young kid, you know, being that young kid's kind of best mate type thing yeah. in trying to rekindle it. And parents can kind of, with older kids can kind of relate to it as older kids are getting more independent. I don't need you parent and things like that. So they were picking up on all that. Now I was just like, I didn't get any of that. Uh, Cause that's what I thought. Like, I don't have kids, but I was thinking it, it, it's, it, it feels like the kids have grown up, they've left, but then they have kids and then the parents look after the kids again. You yeah. know what I mean? That's what it felt like that they were trying to kind of allude to. Yeah, and I can't relate to it because mine are still small, mm. you know. It, but, yeah, it was good. Yeah. You think it looked good? It looked good, but also, like, what else can they do at this point? I mean, I'm glad it's the last one, and it's nice that they give, give Woody, a, Woody an ending. So it always sounds like a euphemism, I'm sort of saying. <laughs> <laughs> it was big of Woody. No, uh, it, it was good that they give him some closure, but here's the question. Did they need to? No, is a toy. It's an. Ex- it's an. <laughs> yeah, apart from that, apart from the, it's not realistic. Um, did they need to give that character closure? Because at the end of the film, they wrapped it up really well. It, was it just an excuse to make more money? I mean, yeah, but w- was the story good enough for the sequel? I yeah. got, I got the feels. I got, I, but I, I, I must admit, most of the film is literally just like any other Pixar movie where. A, a toy gets lost and then it's going to find its own way back. It was literally the same thing again. And it, it was lit with some loads of funny moments. My favorite part was, um, do you remember those, um, those three characters who give like Woody a kind of a high five and the last one's left hanging. Do you remember that bit? And yeah. He's, and he's just like left hanging like that. And then he goes, <laughs> Hmm. I, la- I actually properly laughed out loud in the cinema. Like it was such a funny moment. I love that part. And the, you know, does Pixar do that really, really well? And they also laid a feels on it. I knew, I knew though, because it's become sort of a cliche now. As soon as that evil doll came in, I thought, well, she's going to have some backstory which makes everyone else laugh like like her at the end. You know, some. But then again, I feel like that's the magic the adults get. Maybe the kids learn that each time. I don't know. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I mean, Woody, Woody's an expensive toy as well. We know that. Um, <laughs> He just completely devalued himself by removing his voice box. Oh, that's horrible, actually, isn't it? When you think about that, there's like some of the themes you could probably dig into there where he, you know, takes away part of himself. That's and surely, like, like when he gives the voice box to the what is she, Greta or whatever her name is, I can't remember her name. Yeah, I know what you're gonna say when he pulls her strings, you think you think you'd hear Woody, yeah. Yeah. I don't understand how yeah. that worked. Did they have some kind of like manual of how? <laughs> well, no, they said like we've got the vocal con- cassette to put in it, and mm. I'm like, what? Back in the when you were made, what for 1950? <laughs> and there's no way they'd be able to do it. There's no way they would go. Well, I know how to do it because I've done it loads of times. You've never done it, obviously, because it's never been done. But yeah, again, a kid's not going to go. Oh, but you know, daddy. So many plot holes. There. <laughs> <laughs> I can't... Uh, Unlike unlike the film yesterday, um, which I've already put a bit of video out where I rant about it, um, which everyone should watch. You did on my good. channel. I, I'm going to do more. I think I'm going to do more movie reviews. I've already made a list of like loads of music related films. So if anyone's got any suggestions of music related films I should cover, then you know holler at me. I'm, I I need I need more ideas. I think. 
uh that that film was just like i think my expectations were too high because it was beatles related and some of it was set in liverpool and the idea was really interesting what would the world be like without beatles but it just doesn't answer it at all just like no, you know, it, it's like love actually in all those it's just like a richard curtis film there's a concept that's pretty interesting to think about you know like, what would it be that i mean you could do what would the world be like without hamburgers you know that kind of thing. I mean, to be honest, it'll be the same as it is right now, but with less hamburgers. It wouldn't. Yeah, it just wouldn't be any different. Like yeah. we could be like, I don't know, what would the world be like without hoverboards? And we're like, well, we don't have hoverboards, so yeah, it's the same. Um, but whatever, make a film out of it. But yeah, it just seems to be a very a vehicle for Richard Curtis to do another. Roll is typical rom com. Yeah, rom com again. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, from because I didn't watch any reviews or anything or read anything beforehand before they buy, and then and I watched a few. I watched the Mark Mode one, and he really liked it. Like, I think he's a big Richard um, Curtis fan, and other people. Yeah, I watched it as well, and they were like laughing in the review. Yeah, like, she was. Uh, I can't remember who was um, doing the interview with him. Doing the review of him, but she was laughing uncontrollably. I was like, "But did you just watch the same trailer as I did, or, or what?" Yeah, and that, it, it, I didn't. I don't think there's any jokes in it. Like, I came out thinking the, the the way the character is in that trailer, where he's a bit miserable, he's like that throughout the film. Really, <laughs> he doesn't come out going, "Oh, I'm really glad that happened." It's like he doesn't utilize what is what he's got. For a story arc, he doesn't learn from it. I thought he'd learn from it, and then you know, at some point, have to abandon it and bring his own music out because even if that doesn't do well, he knows it's from him and as what he's trying to say. There's none of that, and and then again, it's like my other point was like, there's no knock-on effect. I mean, I mean, I know we get what you say, like about you know, no hoverboards. There isn't any anyway, but the Beatles were massive, like you know, melody-wise, and you know in a number of ways, i say. And then they started littering it with other things, saying, like, well, oh, there's also no cigarettes. There's no Coca-Cola. And you're like, well, okay, the world would look a lot different if we didn't have these things. And then you weren't trying to say it was because of the Beatles, because, obviously, cigarettes predate the Beatles. Yeah. Coca-Cola does, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it does. So I was really, really interested with where with, with that was going, and it just doesn't go anywhere. Just doesn't go anywhere. And I'm like, oh, right, okay. And then you do realise it's just a run-of-the-mill romantic comedy. And I'm like, all oh, right, I've been duped. And, I mean, a lot of the blogs and stuff beforehand were all answer asking that question. And maybe that just kind of filled my anticipation for the film, thinking, oh, that is interesting. What what, what are they going to put on screen? Oh, actually, should have just ignored all that and just, just went in thinking it's just going to be like uh, Notting Hill or something like that. It's just it's as basic as it was. Like oh, yeah. you said, they didn't even use yesterday. That was so funny because <laughs> play at the end. It's oh like, my god! Come on, it's so funny because the credit roll and he goes, "That was yesterday. Here's today." Or so it does something like that. Sorry for spoilers, guys. If anyone's watching this, it's spoiler film. <laughs> and then he goes today, and then he goes, "Hey Jude," and you're like, "What? Oh. <laughs> this film isn't called Hey Jude." What? Is, what? I, I don't get it. That's yeah, and then I had to do little jokes at the end. What else we could do with like so he's searching for pebbles and going 
Who owns <laughs> silly. the music these days? Who owns the music? Is it I still think, Michael Jackson? No, I think Paul McCartney bought a lot of it back. You know, I'm not quite sure. I think Paul McCartney bought a lot of it back, though. Um, Maybe yesterday's one that he owns. <laughs> yeah, because that's the only Beatles track in there, as opposed to that actual song by him, so... Maybe, but uh, yeah, as I said, I'm gonna do more music related film. Can you think any of any at the top of your head that would be interesting to kind of look at? I can think of some retro ones going back, yeah. one coming through. There's a lot of uh, can't think off the top of my head of new ones. Elton John, yeah, the Elton John one. I did a kind of uh, first impressions, but I might do a proper one. The problem with biopics is that. I kind of prefer like a linear story which uses the catalogue or uses references to a musical band or whatever. But a biopic, it's a lot of research involved where you've got to go, well, that didn't happen as well. That's got to be part of the review. You know what I mean? It's not just like it stands on its own two feet of like the story. It's also got to go like, well, you know, in Bohemian Rhapsody, Freddie Mercury didn't just come up with that song behind his back in bed. And it's like, yeah. how do we get around that? You could probably pre-write and pre-record um, reviews of, uh, let's say, the Kurt Cobain one. Um, true. I don't know what what are other big ones that are missing out. Uh, David Bowie, I know he's oh, God. said no on it, but you know it'll happen, and there he yeah. is behind your head. I know, yeah, yes, there. I mean, yeah. has there actually been a Beatles one? A Beatles documentary? There's been loads, yeah. Um, but like a biopic type? Um, yeah, there's been tons. I mean, the last if, if you look at the last the video put out, um, someone really, really helpfully did, did this massive kind of list of all these other Beatles and um, biopics. One of them, famously Backbeat. Do you remember Backbeat with Stephen Dorff? He played Stuart Sutcliffe. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's loads. Um so I am thinking of going through a lot of the Beatles catalog. Say, you know, even the films, Hard Day's Night and uh, um, Magical Mystery Tour, Help, all those ones. Because they're easy because they're quite linear. The stories with the music in them, which are quite fun to do. But when it becomes a biopic, it's it's a different type of review. It involves a lot more research and it changes the kind of the linear. Let's step through the story type of thing. Well, I think I, you can probably pre-record them and just be like, oh yeah, yeah this is crap. Right. <laughs> Oh God, the Bowie one would just—I'm already annoyed before yeah. it's even made. You know, <laughs> it's just uh, Zac Efron or whatever his name was will be Bowie or something like that, and I'd be like, oh God. Although the Rocket Man was great, so but really? Bowie's too close, too close to the bone. Um, so okay, moving on from that, we're just kind of finish with any TV stuff you've been watching. It's a bit of fun. Don't really want. No, I mean Glastonbury like yeah. uh, took a lot of that up. Um, you, Stranger Things launched yesterday. Do you watch any of that? Do you, are you a big fan? Uh, I like the first season, and then I didn't watch any of us. I watched the new one. Yeah, I do like the music more than the show, which is weird. Yeah, that, to say um, the the credits, the opening credits um, on loop is actually quite a good track. It's really good. I've been, I've actually listened to the new series one, um, series three, and it, the music's great. I want to know what synth to use. I'm going to chase that. But uh, I haven't watched the series yet. This the third one anyway. But I, I think they're good. I think they're good, especially for people our age. You kind of appreciate the the eighties nostalgia, even though we don't really remember the eighties. But we kind of reflect on it. Uh, I did watch 
Lost. I've, I finished off the Lost in Space TV show. You know the, okay. the Netflix one. I don't know if you've ever watched any of that. Do you ever been a fan of the original one? No. You ever watched any of it with the the uh, the sixties one? I love that show. Is that the one with the big robot? Yeah, you know Danger, Will Robinson, and all that, and Doctor Smith, and stuff like that. Yeah. I I love. There's the issue I've got with that though, because I love the original show because it's quite zany, it's silly, stupid. If you want to go that far, it gets really stupid, especially when it's you know it's cheap budgets and everyone's just everything's just a farce in the uh, the sixties show. But in the new show, everything is serious, really serious. People die, people get actually lost in space, people get trapped in ice. Oh, it's like every episode's like an epidemic or or someone's trapped somewhere. We've got to get them out. Oh, no, they're going to die. And it's like every show does that now. Like the new Star Trek show does that. You know, all these other shows on Netflix are always like really serious, high octane tension. Why Why isn't there room Why for a Lost in Space show, which is just <laughs> zany farce, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I go back to um, Next Generation. God, yeah. It just wouldn't be made these days. They wouldn't create, you know, uh, I don't know. There's, there's episodes of that which are, I don't know. They're, they're, Astounding. Oh, I mean, I think it's a, a fantastic piece of work, yeah. like from start to finish. But they're talking to think about things like philosophy and um, about relationships between people and diplomacy and, and things like that. You look at that new Star Trek, and it's it's all about war and action and fighting. And it's like there was war and action and fighting in Next Generation, but it didn't make up the major piece of it. It's it's the original the Next Generation and the like. You know, I like the other shows, Voyager and the Space Nine. The old at heart, at the center of it, it's like they had the heart first, and then kind of spread out to the the characters and the story. Where you, yeah, again, um, Discovery. I don't know. I'm just. I, I'm trying to get through the second series. I thought the first series was all right. Second series, it's just there's Spock. Oh yeah, Spock again. Great. And the camera will not stop spinning around everyone. It's just like everything's got to be so fast, even when it shouldn't be. When it's someone, you can imagine someone in bed just having a little nap, and the camera will be spinning around them. Mm. You know, like why? Because we're all lazy and we need to wake up. Oh, uh, action! Oh, action! Oh, action! But what about the little little stories? You don't get this Picard just talking out of screen, and that's all you see. But giving, delivering his amazing speech about mankind, you know, you don't get that anymore. It's got to be like something's crazy going on. There's explosions there, a million ships coming out over there. It's like all right, but that's good for the the cinema screen because it's cinematic. But on TV, you've got time to kind of develop characters and you know have all those. You know, emotional moments, and I'm not getting it. Maybe other people would get it, but I'm not getting it from Discovery. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the Picard series has got it, though, which comes out later on this year. Yeah, hopefully they don't take a Michael Bay paintbrush <laughs> Picard working on a, a vineyard, and I hope. They... <laughs> Imagine he could. He probably will. He's like, he picks up a bottle of wine and throws it. It's got petrol in it. <laughs> Even the first 15 minutes, there's, I don't know, a Klingon invasion or something oh, like that. Yeah. Or the oh. Borg gets awoken within him again. And oh, I hope, yeah. He turns I hope, the bad guy. I hope it's not just him sitting there retelling stories and the stories are just massive, bombastic explosions and things. Oh, I remember the time I did that. Yeah, it was great. And then... <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 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 Who? 
<laughs> I'd like no, I would not like that. I, I, I don't know what I want from it to be honest. I'm probably not going to put too much into it. Yeah. Anyway, should we end that there then for this week? Have you got any more to say? Any more things you've done? You want anyone else to leave everyone with? No, no, it's a nice day, so yeah, let's go nice. and enjoy that. I'm gonna have a nice day installing Mario Maker 2. Ugh. You're gonna have to get it now. You're gonna have to get it. You're gonna have to get it and share levels. I don't have to do I, I don't have to do anything. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right then uh, thanks for that and at some point Justin will have some kind of social media you can share and people can come follow him somewhere but at the moment he hasn't got any so I'll just keep reminding him or for the next two weeks until he does that but uh, until next time I've been Mrs. DJ aka Stephen all the way around Stephen aka Mrs. DJ see you next time with another video bye bye